Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. All right, you can have a seat, church. It is awesome to be together. Let's give it up. This is fantastic. I don't know about you, but I'm almost ready just to sit back down and let the band keep going. They did not do a good job or what? It was good. Hey, I, seriously, if you are from the Fred campus, if you are from the Niwak campus, if you just kind of been on the online campus and you drove and, and got here, I just want to say thank you for making it a priority to be together today. This is fantastic. I, I will apologize for um, having to start a little bit late in the line out on the highway, but somebody walked in, they're like, dude, I saw the line out on the highway, and I was like, tears. This is fantastic. And so, so good. It's great to have all of you that join us online still today, and awesome that our tech team had that ready to go. But man, I just say this, it is awesome to be together. I think if the last year has taught me anything, I think it's taught me that, that we are better together. Would you agree? We are. I think we just are. We, are. we are better together. We are healthier together. I don't care if you're an introvert. And I don't care if you're an extrovert. Over the last year to 18 months, we have just figured out that God, is, God has created us to be this way. Like, we are created to be together. I went to a Rockies game about three and a half weeks ago, and it was a blast. My Cardinals were in town. I'm a Rockies fan. You guys know that. I'm a Rockies fan, but I, am, I was born in St. Louis, so I got to be a Cardinal fan. And so it was fun. A buddy of mine gave me some tickets. Um, they were 18 rows behind home plate. It was an awesome experience. I mean, one of the best spectator experiences that you could have at a ball game. And and the ball game was awesome. I mean, we got down to the end of the game. Cardinals came back, put like three runs on the board to tie the game in the eighth inning. Uh, Rockies didn't score in the ninth. It went into the 10th inning. We saw, we saw a grand slam in the 10th inning. I mean, it was, it was just great. We had a good time, even in the seventh inning stretch. I'm standing there in the seventh inning stretch, and if you've been there, you know what they do. We sing, take me out to the ball game, right? So that's, that's fun. But if you're sitting behind home plate, all the announcers, if you turn around, they're behind you, and they got all their booze, and at the seventh inning stretch, when they get done singing, they start chucking Cracker Jacks out. So bags of Cracker Jacks. And so my boys are like, Dad, grab the bag of Cracker Jacks. And so I jump up, I grab a bag of Cracker Jacks, give it to the boys. They're like, what are these? I'm like, boys, you are missing out, man. I'm, I'm not doing well as a dad. You don't know what Cracker Jacks are. But so we have fun, we do the whole thing, and then after the game, it's a fireworks night. So it was on 4th of July weekend, a Friday night, and, and the fireworks are getting ready to go off, but they're waiting, and so they're doing all the entertainment in between. You have 46,000 spectators at this game. They're having fun, staying for the fireworks, and they're doing the thing where they all get, like some of the ushers and stuff get up on the dugouts, and they've got b balloon launchers, and they're launching rolled up t-shirts, and then they're chucking them out there. And I'm doing the one thing that as a dad, moms always want you to do. Like, I never do this, but this time I got it right. I am standing there with my phone texting my wife pictures. Like, guys, you know how this goes. Every time you walk out the door, every, every lady just laughs because they're like, I know, and he never texts pictures, right? That's what they say when you walk out the door with your kids, like, please send pictures. So I'm standing there after the game, and I am texting my wife pictures, and I get hit square in the face <laughs> with a T-shirt. And I look down at my boy, and my boy has this look of disappointment, like, my dad is not a man. Like, he, dad, if there's one job you got, you're supposed to catch the t-shirt. So ladies, let me, let me help you out. The reason your guy never sends you pictures of what they do with the kids is because they want to catch the t-shirt, not get hit in the face with the t-shirt, right? It was an awesome experience. We had a great time. 46,000 spectators watching a game together. 
After the game, I'm walking out. I even saw some people from Rocky there, and they said this. I heard people just in the crowd saying this as we're sitting around. I probably heard it 50 times that night. People said, man, it is so good to see so many people together at the ballpark. And I guarantee you, here's what's going to happen today. We're going to walk out of this place. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I did not expect this many people to show up today. And you're going to say it, and I'm going to say it, and we're going to walk out of this place, and we're going to say, it is so good to see so many people at church today. And, and, and probably we should put the emphasis on the word together, right? Yeah. It's so good to see so many people together at church. Because here's what we know. Like, here's the deal. We are better together. If you just look back at the way God created things in the very beginning, like this is biblical. In the very beginning, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit says we're together. Then when God created things, what did he do? He created relationships and he put the man and the woman together. He said, be fruitful and multiply the earth and, and to have relationships with each other. You go into the book of the, in the Old Testament. What did God do when he wanted to create a people? He created a family that became a nation that was together. You go into the New Testament, which we'll look at in just a little bit, and you'll see the church. What happened on the first day in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, the church was created to be together. We're healthier together. Like we are better together. And if you just step back and look at things, man, God, God says this, you were created to be together. I designed you to be together. You were never designed to be alone. Here's a problem for some of you. You're like, man, this is the first time I've seen, you know, I've been back and connected and connecting with people. And you got to understand this as the church, we were created to be together. Now here's the thing. There were 46,000 spectators at that game. You were created to be together, but you were never created to be just a spectator. Like, I want you to think about that for a second. You were created to be together as a church, as people in relationships. God created this thing where we do it together. He even did ministry together. He chose 12 and he said, let's go hang out for three and a half years and then I'll send you out. They did it together. But here's the thing that he said to them. I did not call you to follow me and just be a spectator. Like when I went to that baseball game, here's the thing. I was one of 46,000 spectators, and we live in this spectator culture. And here's the thing. Here's what I'm talking about. When I showed up at the game, there was no usher. There was no manager of the team. There was no pitching coach or batting coach that saw me and was like, hey, Sean, you're here. Like, you played some little league, man. You know, they made a little bit in high school and whatever. Why don't you come down on the field and play first base for us today? No. Now, if they saw my batting average in high school, um, that would definitely be out. But... We live in a spectator culture. It's prepared for us. We show up. We watch the game. You're just a spectator when you go to a ball game. Now, how many of you have been at a concert lately? <laughs> okay, well, you guys need to get out more. We'll just say you came to a concert this morning at the beginning, right? There was a little bit of that. Some of you, I saw a post and you went to the Garth Brooks concert up at Shine Frontier Days. Yeah, these people get out. That's good. That's good. The rest of you need to get out a little more, right? But they showed up at the concert and they didn't have anybody look at them and say, man, you're here. You know how to run the soundboard. You play the bass. You play the drums. Why don't you just come in and join us because we live in this spectator culture. And the problem is that for us in faith, what so many of us seem to believe and think is we think that, okay, we understand God says we are created to be together. If I just look at scripture, I can get that. I can kind of mine that out of this. But we live in this culture that's such a spectator culture that we begin to think the church is just like that. 
The church is a place that we show up. It's a place we go to. It's a building we go to. It's a place we show up at. We hang out for 60 minutes a week and, you know, sing some good songs, hopefully hear an encouraging message, see some friends in the lobby maybe, and, and then go home. And God never designed for it to be this way. I've got a question for you. I want you to dwell on this question. I want you to think about this for a second. Can you, can you grow in your faith? Can you get to know and become more like Jesus and grow in your faith without belonging to God's people in his church? Can you grow in your faith? Can you become more like Jesus without belonging to God's people into his church. So here, here's the thing. I think most of us would just intuitively say, no, no, you can't do that. But action-wise, what is the real truth about our culture? What is the real truth about us as people today that live in this spectator culture? Here's what I want to do just for a few minutes. I, I want to take a look at the book of Acts. The book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, if you've ever wondered where did the church start, like what, what did it look like how did it happen? Who were the people that were a part of it? What was it supposed to be like? Because what's really interesting about Acts is the book of Acts, it's called Acts of the Apostles. It's a book of history. And so this book of history is, is a bunch of people that walked with Jesus, who Jesus taught everything he could to for, for three years. And then they walked away and they talked to some other people and they wrote a bunch of things down. And you get the book of Acts that says, this is the way it happened. So if you want to know what Jesus said about how church is supposed to look, like what believers are supposed to do. Like if you're a person who kind of buys into Jesus and says, man, I, I want to be a part of his family, you look at the book of Acts and you see the description of what the church is supposed to be. And so let me give you context. Acts chapter two, here's the setup. It's 50 days after the crucifixion and the resurrection. So it's, a big, it's in Jerusalem where this is happening. Peter's going to preach this great sermon. There's a bunch of people gathered because it's a festival or a feast um, that's called Pentecost. Happens 50 days after Passover. So it happened, and so Jesus had been crucified, resurrected. The, the apostles have been kind of waiting and wondering, what do we do? And Jesus said, go and wait in Jerusalem, and I'll send the Holy Spirit. Well, he sends the Holy Spirit on this day, and there's like this big rush of wind they hear. Like, what is that? And a crowd gathers, in, and the apostles start to preach, and it's a crowd like this. Even a little, it's probably much bigger than a crowd like this. And Peter stands up and he starts to preach. And what he begins to do is he begins to take the, the scripture from the Old Testament, because it was so important to the Jews, set the stage with the story and get to the point to say and proclaim to them, this Messiah that's talked about back here, here's who that is. It's Jesus. He's God's son. He, he came for you. He was here on this earth for three years. He died on the cross. And actually he says to this crowd, he says, this Jesus whom you crucified because the people sitting out there where many of them were at the crucifixion at the day before the crucifixion, standing there saying, crucify him. Can you imagine being that? Peter's standing here and he's telling you, hey, when you yell crucify him, that was God's son. That was the Messiah you've been waiting for. But here's the good news. He rose from the dead and you can have life in him. And so here's the picture. Jesus or Peter tells them, you crucified him. He rose from the dead, and they're like, what do we do? And here's the reaction, and then here's what they did. So when they heard this, when he said, this Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ, when they heard him say this, they were crushed and realized that they, what they had done to Jesus. Deeply moved, they said to Peter and the other apostles, what do we need to do, brothers? 
Peter replied, repent and return to God. And each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit, for God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and for your families. For those yet to be born, all of us, and for everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. Peter preached to them and warned them with many words. Be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of this world. And here's what happened. It says, those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000, bigger than a crowd like this. They were all baptized, and here's the deal. They were added to the church. Two things happened. Peter preached the gospel. The response from the people when they realized what they'd done to Jesus, they, they believed in Jesus, that he was God's son, that he was the restor- resurrected Christ, and they were baptized. Baptism is the picture of the death, burial, and the resurrection. We'll have some baptisms after today. That's the picture of people participating in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus because of their faith. And the second thing was this, they were added to the church. See, what Acts chapter two just gives this picture of is when you believe, it is natural for you to step in and to belong. Like the natural outcome of belief in Jesus is real belief in Jesus always leads to real belonging with God's people. Like that's just naturally what happens. It's real belonging. It's not just with a group of people out there. It is a group of people that are like-minded that are the church. Here's the explanation of the church. If you take a little language lesson, you take the Greek language, the word church is a word ekklesia. It's a mix of two words. Mix of two Greek words. The New Testament was written in Greek. So the first part of the word is the idea of called out, like called out. So the idea of, or excuse me, is called. And then the second part of the word is out of. So it's like the called out ones. But then if you look at the Old Testament, there's this word that's used for church that's actually the word assembly. And when the Old Testament was actually translated into the Greek language, so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, they couldn't find a word that worked for this word for church. So they used ekklesia, but the word in the Old Testament Hebrew is an assembly. So think like this, an assembly of like-minded people. Now, I, I didn't say this. I didn't say an assembly of perfect people, right? I said an assembly of like-minded people. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, if you find the perfect church and you go to it, just realize So the day we find the perfect church, it becomes imperfect the moment we join it. Like I didn't say a group of perfect people. I just said a group of like-minded people. The idea of the church, to make it simple, is the church, the word church used in the New Testament always means an assembly of like-minded people gathered together for a common purpose. Church, here's the thing. Rocky, here's what I just want you to understand today is, is you cannot call yourself a follower of Jesus and not be serving and doing life with God's people and his church. Like if you really believe, if you really believe what Jesus taught in the New Testament, what the, the book of Acts says about how the church reacted, you will naturally just begin to belong to God's church and his people and to be about God's mission. Now here, let me read you a description. Like let me read you a description of when those people were added to the church, what did it look like? Like what was the first church supposed to actually look like? In verses 42 through 47 of chapter two, it gives a description and you, you tell me, were these people spectators or were they in the game playing the game? Here, well, here it is. It says, every believer faithfully devoted themselves to following the teaches, teachings of the apostles. 
Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. They prayed regularly together. They were mutually linked together. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body. In the NIV version, it says they were together and they had everything in common. And they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of, the generos- out of their generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes and celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And here's the deal. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a group of people I'd like to be part of. <laughs> that sounds like a group of people that I'd like for us to be like. I don't know about you, but I, I think that right there does not sound like a group of spectators that give 60 minutes a week, maybe a week, maybe every other week, maybe less on Sundays. Man, these people were in the game. Like they realized that that this was kind of all they had, this group of people and being persecuted where they were. They were like, we got Jesus and we've got the church. And when we have needs, the church is there for us. You see, real believing always leads to real belonging. And we are more fulfilled when we belong to a place. We are healthier when we belong to a group of like-minded people. We feel accepted when we belong. And we find joy when we belong. You see, when the church is, is together and filing firing on all cylinders, people start believing in Jesus. And people start belonging to each other. And people start loving and serving other people outside of themselves. And it becomes this thing where they begin to tell everybody and you can't keep it a secret. I have an interesting situation happen in the lobby of the Niwak campus about two weeks ago. I was standing there and I was meeting people and just kind of like I was out here when you walked in, I was just talking to people and saying hi and And somebody walked up and somebody introduced a friend to me. So it was a lady, it was a younger lady. She had a couple kids with her. And so I I introduced myself. We had a great conversation. And she began to tell me all these things that she was loving about the church. She was telling me they'd been here for just a little bit. And their kids were loving it. She was loving it. They were finding community. And then she said this line that made me so excited, but killed me at the same time. She said, I've been telling everybody I see that Rocky is the best kept secret in town. And part of me was like, awesome. She's telling everybody about something she loves, that something she's passionate about, her kids are finding. But dude, it hit me right here when she said that this place is a secret. And church, I wonder if it's a secret because we're doing more spectating and watching than we are living on mission and belonging and connecting together. Now, please don't hear me being negative and saying, because there are so many good things going. There are so many of you, just the fact that we have this many people here today, we have a group of like-minded people that are belonging to each other. But here's the thing, in that spectator culture, our world is always pulling us out toward being alone and toward being isolated. And God is trying to push us in because he's saying, if this is going to affect other people, If this is going to affect you, it can't be a secret. The interesting thing about the faith is if you keep it a secret, it actually doesn't help you. 
Because it was never even meant to be a secret for you. Part of your finding peace and joy and purpose in your faith is actually stepping out and doing something with it. Being a part of and being connected with people who become friends, who are lifelong friends and may be totally different than you, but they have common ground in faith with a common purpose that we go after it together. It was interesting. I heard a quote that said, we'll never change the world by going to a church building. The only way you change the world is by being the church. Interesting enough, Google can't even write that. When I was writing this message, I'm on Google Docs and I'm writing, we are the church. It keeps wanting to autocorrect. We are at the church. Well, folks, I don't know about you, but we aren't at the church today. We are the church. And here's the thing, what God is calling some of you to do is he's calling some of you today to say, okay, I see what happened in that early church. When people believed in Jesus, they naturally professed their faith in him and they were baptized. And then they became part of the church and became an active member of the church. And there's some of you sitting there today and you've been curious for a long time. You've been saying, I like this Jesus thing and I really think I believe in him, but you never really stepped over the line to say, man, I'm, I'm betting all the cards on this. And today, here's, here's the thing. If you, if you believe in Jesus, if you're curious about Jesus, I'd say this, why not step over the line? Because I, I would bet deep down in you, I would bet that you actually know it's true. Some of you may not, but I would bet for most of you, I think you actually believe that it's true. And if you believe that it's true, then man, eternity is at stake. An eternal blessing is state, but not just an eternal blessing, but the blessing of God and the blessing of his people right now. And so here's what I'd say to you today. If you've been curious, you've been on the fence, man, today the challenge for you would be is quit being a spectator. Quit sticking your, your foot over and kind of dipping it into the water. Let's jump in. Like literally some of you may need to jump in today. You mean to say, I, I've, been, I've been waiting too long. I believe I want to belong to Jesus. You get baptized and you say, okay, what is the next step for me? And you jump into what we call the pathway. The pathway is so easy. You ask anywhere, anybody around this place, you can jump in at so many different places, but the pathway gives you a path to growth, a path to friendship, a path to purpose and relationships and understanding. I would just ask some of you today, quit being a spectator and jump in. Now, if you've been a believer a long time, and if you've been baptized, but you've been sitting on the sideline and being a spectator, I would say for you, it's time to belong. Do you know that there are, between Well County and Boulder County, there's 650,000 people. There's 326,000 in Boulder County. There's 324,000 in Well County. I had some missionaries here the other day, and you may have seen this. They're praying for 7 million people to come to Christ in their city, Alexandria, Egypt. Guys, I'm sitting here going right now, man, we're praying just that some new people will get baptized every week. And we're praying, I'm just like, man, that's so small. Man, if you look at the early church, when they came together and they believed and they began to belong, just the natural outflow of healthy lifestyle with Jesus, people looked around and they're like, man, that thing, we need to find out what that is. That shouldn't be a secret. We should begin to tell everybody. And it invaded the entire world to pray for 650,000. If we were to actually, because we believe, start belonging to each other and go after it together, I don't think 650,000 is too much to ask. 
I think we have a God big enough to say, if you'll act like the church that I created you to be, and there's so many pockets of that that we have, but I think we got a long way to go. I think Jesus says, I can do anything through you. It's interesting here at Anderson Farms. Um, this is the first year they have a sunflower field. And, uh, you know, there's a pumpkin patch, and you all come, and you do that in the fall, and you do the pumpkin patch, but this is the first time they've had a sunflower field. And I don't know if you know much about sunflowers, but the interesting thing I think most people know is that sunflowers always point toward what? The sun. That's why they're called sunflowers. Amazing, right? They point toward the sun. Now, the interesting thing is if the sun goes over and goes this direction, where do the sunflowers go? In unison, every single one together rotates together with the sun. When the sun goes down, guess what they do? They rotate back, waiting for it to come up the next day. What would happen if a group of people like this, which is what the church is called to be, kept our eyes on the sun, belonged to each other, and began to go and to love each other together. I think it would be so attractive that this would be the norm. I think it would be so attractive that this would be the norm, not just here, but online. I think it'd be constant. And I just want to encourage you that as a church, I didn't sign up for, I don't think you signed up for just being a spectator. I would much rather be out there on the floor playing the game. Be out there on the field playing the game. God did not call us to be spectators. He called us to belong to each other and be together. Rocky, I just want to encourage you, let's do it together. There's no way we will change this area by going to a church building. But we could. We could by being the church. Let's pray. Father God, there's a lot of people sitting here today. And I think, Father, we have so many good intentions, but life is busy, and I get that. There's all kinds of different circumstances and things, but, Father, you just tell us that the key to finding peace and hope and joy and purpose in life is to just turn our eyes toward the sun. And, Father, I pray that we would do that together, that we find those things in you, but we would also find them in the relationships that we are supposed to create together. Father, I pray that your mission, I pray your Holy Spirit, just like in the book of Acts, Verse 47 of chapter 2 says, And people were added to their number daily, those who were coming to life. Father, may that be true of us for your sake and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.